So our philosophy here at Stereo Embers is if somebody comes on the program, we've done something right. That's how we see it. But if somebody comes back on the program, we've done something really right. Well, today, we've done something really right. Because somebody who was here before is back again. Who is it? Well, you're going to have to wait, but not very long. Maybe 93 seconds. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. When you wanted it, I was there. When you first went in, no one twisted your arm. When you tasted it like you've been tasting it your whole life. As you went under, into unknown. Remember the music pulled out of your head. of the church a band which features my guest today on the program steve kilby let me tell you a little bit about the church and steve kilby with close to 30 albums to their credit including classics like heyday starfish the blurred crusade and their fabulous new one the hypnagogue the church are one of the most enduring bands of all time led by the british-born but australian-raised steve kilby the Sydney-based outfit continue to put out music that's mesmeric, melodic, and meditative. Inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame in 2010 and with gold records and hit singles under their musical belts, the church are not ones to rest on their laurels. In fact, what makes this band so alluring for me is that they continue to challenge themselves and their listeners. Their new album is a perfect example of this. It's a dense and textured collection of dreamlike jams, Lush instrumentation, graceful hooks, and churning elegance. It's the kind of album that rewards you with each repeated listen. As for Mr. Kilby, he remains one of the most prolific artists in rock and roll, delivering not only high-quality work with his band, but also adding to that oeuvre fabulous solo albums, books, and paintings. Now, I love talking to Steve, and when this interview starts, I reference one of the last things we were talking about the last time he was here which was someone urging him to start using bone broth. A longtime vegetarian, this was something he was contemplating and I was just following up. It sort of doesn't go well. You'll see how it lands. Steve's a great guy. He's one of the best conversationalists ever, and I'm so glad he's back, and I'm so glad that you're here to hear it. So here's me and Steve Kilby having a very entertaining conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
I bought some bone broth and I had a cup and I felt absolutely disgusted and violated and I hated the taste and I hated what it was and I just felt like if that's what it is, I can't do it. So that was it? That was it. Yeah, that was it. But I'm I'm ashamed that I did that. Um, it was terrible. I'm not I'm 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 not a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. Um, but that was the first meat that had gone in my system knowingly for a long, long, long time. And um, I just couldn't do it. And, you know, the, the woman who suggested it said you might find you're not able to do it anyway. She she said, I really think you need some some whatever. The, you know, a, as a vegetarian uh, and sometime vegan, I admit that there possibly are some good things to be had from eating meat. I admit that there's there's possibly some iron and other things that we don't understand that occasionally eating meat could provide for an omnivore like a human, but at the end of the day. I just, I'm not just not willing to do it. Um, I'm not, I'm not willing to, I can't. It's like, my, I, I felt, I felt like I've been raped. That's what I felt like. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause when I last left you, that was what you were sort of entertaining. I'm trying to remember why someone told you to do that it was for like a health thing, right? It was, they thought it'd be like a salubrious choice. She, she, she said, um, she said in her opinion, it was a, like a, a um, Chinese medicine practitioner. And she said um, that she thought I was lacking um, in this, in the things that meat could give me. Um, and she, she, I mean, you know, it was, it was quite radical what she believed. She, she didn't think I should eat salad. She said I should always have warm, meaty meals. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't. You know, we could talk about this forever, but I it was a fucking disgusting experience. Um, I'm sorry I just had to remember it. Um, it was fucking <laughs> No, it was really awful. It was really I'm sorry awful. for bringing it up. I, I, I feel terrible I brought it up. I just wanted to know because that was sort of That's the cliffhanger. Right. Okay. That's right. Don't, whatever you do, don't do it. I won't do it. I, um, I'm like you. I'm technically really a vegetarian, but I, I haven't had meat in 30 years, and I, I think we lose the enzyme, which is probably explains why you felt so horrendous. I really don't know how it all works. And as I probably said to you when we had our last conversation, I don't understand how elephants and gorillas get their protein. Like, you know, people go, oh, where are you getting your protein? How could you have any protein? And then you look at these huge, great animals like gorillas and elephants that eat grass or tree or leaves or fruit. Where the fuck are they getting their protein? Yeah. How do they, how do you, what run, what's running that great big, huge thing? If you know, like, I don't know. We are omnivores. Um, but I, I don't think I could do it anymore. I don't think I can eat meat anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is for that. Um, I did a really good job on my daughters and um, I have five daughters. Three of them are so committed to being vegetarians. And I discussed that idea with them. I said, I've got a person who I quite respect is asking me to drink some bone broth. And they were, they were angry and like, 
no, no, dad, you can't, you can't do that. I was proud of the propaganda job I'd done on them. They were like, they were like, no, don't do it. And I really, I haven't regretted anything so much as that. Yeah. You know, my, um, my workaround the last, since you and I have spoken is I've gotten really into buckwheat. Like like buckwheat microgreens evidently have a lot of things that you get from meat, and I gotta tell you, it's it's been kind of a game changer. I feel totally different now that I'm doing the buckwheat. I think you were talking about buckwheat last time, weren't you? I might have been. Yeah, I might have been. You might have just gotten into it. Yeah. Um, okay. What form do you eat it in? It's like a microgreen, so it's like a, it's like in a little, it's like a small, um, almost looks like a like a just a series of little. Um, like from like an herb garden, it looks like that, and it's just like a you handful. Of fresh, fresh, yeah. yeah. Like it's a salad. Yeah, I throw them in a smoothie. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and it gives you energy. Oh my god, yeah. Like if I if I yeah. don't do it, I feel if I skip it, I feel like a different person. I feel like something's missing. Okay. okay. Did you hear that? You, yeah, you. <laughs> buckwheat. <laughs> Get me some fucking buckwheat. <laughs> Get it. Is it yeah. buckwheat? It is too. No, no, that's buck something else. Buccanini. I don't know if that's the same thing. All right, go and score me some buckwheat right now. Go downtown. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, She's there you go. Right. Um, how is your how's your summer going? Did you make good use of it? You know, on this earth, there's always a catch. Have you ever noticed that? No matter what you do, there's a catch. How's this for a catch? Uh, right now, the um, ultraviolet is 12. It's 12. Um, it went up to 13 the other day. Um, it's like if you have fair skin like you and I and you go out in that for more than five minutes, you're going to burn. And it's – we – we have a tent and we sit under our tent with our clothes on and with hats on and with sunscreen on. We do that and we still come up and we still feel burnt. So there's the catch with the summer. It's lovely weather out there. I live right next to a beach, like literally across the road, but you get burnt like hell if you go out in it. So you've got to wait till the morning and you've got to wait till it's early morning or sort of late in the afternoon. But they say um, people with fair skin shouldn't go out in Australia between nine and six. <laughs> God. Yeah. That's sad, isn't it? You shouldn't go whole... out in that sun. Yeah. yeah, it's the whole day. I mean, it's the entire day. The whole day you shouldn't go out in the sun. If you yeah. do, wear a fucking, like, a big suit over over. So, yeah, you can't. But I mean, the nights are nice. That's for sure. Um, anyway, I've I've been doing a bit of you know when I can, I go and do a bit of swimming, and um, I love summer. It's it's my favourite season. But it's currently right now it's about eighty four, eighty five degrees, mm. and the sun is out, and it's blaringly hot. It's my favourite season too, and I always feel I have to get the most out of it and at the end of summer i always feel like i didn't i feel like i fucked up somehow yeah you didn't get enough out of it i feel i always feel heartbroken at the end of summer i always feel like i didn't really oh. maximize it i just feel I, that like you know i i think the end of summer is a heartbreaking feeling um it really is definitely 
Yeah, there's yeah. all those those Swedish bands like uh, everyone from the Cardigans to Club Eight. They always had these really sad songs about the ending of summer because they get so little of it. So there's always like really sad Swedish songs yeah. about summer. Yeah, and then sometimes um, I remember when I first got to Sweden, I learned this phrase "trevlig sommar," like have a great summer. And I remember once I said it to a guy working in a kiosk. And it was a really rainy summer, and he said back to me in Swedish, "Fuck off! It's a shit summer." <laughs> so uh, they get really angry. Like, they take it personally um, because they they only have they only they only get th three months, and um, when it's when it's rainy and overcast and stuff, they 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 really really upset. When we last talked, you were you were talking about how you were changing your the way you were writing songs. You were working off the acoustic, and that was sort of the rhythm you were getting into. Did that stick? I haven't I haven't really done anything since then as such, but I I think I went in and worked on the church album, which wasn't done like that at all. It was the church album was done by a bunch of guys jamming and writing together and writing in different combinations and then me singing over the top. So if I, if I do, if I do another thing on my own, I'm sure it will be like that. It'll be like an acoustic and I'll, I'll go and do it. Um, but this album we're talking about today was pre that. Um, and most of it anyway, the, the musical foundation. So um, I guess, I guess that is the is like the old way that I was working, where where we'd have a bunch of jamming, and then in different ways the jams would be manipulated or enhanced or cut up or something. Um, one of my favourite songs on the record um, was we recorded some really inferior jam, something really weak. I don't even remember what the original thing was. And Jeffrey Kane took it back to America and cut it up and played around with it and then sent it back down the line and it was transformed into something really, really good. And that became the song, The Hypnagogue. Um, mm. So uh, another two songs, we had these massive jams, like a jam that lasts for an hour, a couple of jams that last for an hour that, so went all over the place and then me and the engineer cut them up into four minute songs like took bits out of it that we liked so it wasn't a really very organic process this album it was sort of like very much a a band doing stuff together rather than a guy sitting down with an acoustic guitar and proceeding from there so but as I say, if I if I was to do another solo album, if I when I when I do another one, it will be proceeding from the acoustic guitar, which sounds like it's more of your preference. It was for a while, and I thought I thought that um, I'm I'm you know I'm the flaky sort of guy. Whatever I'm working on is my favorite thing. Mm. Um, it's suddenly now working on this and listening to this and thinking about this. I sort of really like this and like a lot of the songs on this album could never come from a bloke strumming an acoustic guitar. It's not possible. Um, it, 
they could only be written by a bunch of musicians jamming around and then doing stuff later with jam. Um, some of it, I, I mean, you could write it on acoustic guitar, but I don't see how anyone would ever arrive at some of the results that we arrived at. Um, also taking stuff straight from a jam. Um, there's some marvelous playing when people don't feel the, it's a, it's a really funny thing when you could have a, you could have a piece of music and when someone goes, right, now we're going to record it properly. Suddenly all the hiccups and all the, all the impro improvisation and all the people taking chances goes out of it. And suddenly everybody's being really careful to play it. It's like the way we did Starfish um, back in 1987 with Waddy Wachtel and Greg Ladani. They made us play it over and over and over and over and over so that all of the bugs would get ironed out of it. But with this record, we just took things where we were jamming and nobody knew what was going to happen and then cut up those jams because they've got a marvellous feeling of looseness and ease because nobody knows nobody did know where it was going nor did it matter nor did it seem to matter but if someone had said as we were jamming hey fellas this is great we're going to cut this up and use it in a jam you could be sure that suddenly all the creativity would have gone out at a, out of it at that very moment when everyone was oh it's this is going to have to turn into something so it's a great thing about sort of sneaking up on music and not not letting everybody know what the intention behind it is going to be and you can get some really there's some really wonderful drum moments there's a song called antarctica and um at the end the drumming becomes really it's like it's like a king crimson song or something with the mm. drums they're just they're just all over the place but somehow it works i don't think I don't think I wouldn't even know how to get someone to play like that within the context of what the church does, but jamming and leaving them alone, they do it. Yeah. And like you were telling me last time that that starfish experience kind of like sucked the life out of those songs. Whereas this time around the songs could breathe and there was like a lack of awareness about what was what. So they were in many ways, it was kind of like incredibly organic. Yeah. Um, some, some let's see what the public think of that um obviously people like that suck the life out of it feel because <laughs> plenty no but i mean that's what the 80s that's what the 1980s were all about i was, know let, let's suck the life out of it and let's make it perfect and let's have that snare drum going boom you know every two beats and stuff um so yeah let's you know you can it's it's like a for everything you do there's something you gain and something you lose it's a bit like eating meat i suppose it's like you can eat meat and you can get the iron and the vitamin b and the blah 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 and the blah 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 but you're also you know possibly bringing on a load of other negative things and you can be a uh, you know, and I think that's uh, that's how music is. You can really, really, really work on it and clean it all up and get it perfect and rehearse and rehearse and over and over. And you gain something and lose something out of doing that. And I suppose it's up to everybody to know how much 
you know, where, where to stop with that. It's like, um, I don't know, like, like making a film. The yeah. more, the more CGI you have, yes, you can have castles and hills and thousands of people in the battles, but the more you do it, you also lose something from that. You also, from having it in there, you also lose the sort of credibility of the whole thing. If you, when you overdo it, you reach a point. I guess when you're making a record, it's sort of like, I'm always trying to gauge. I mean, they can't be totally raw and inchoate, but I've also learned they can't be, well, I don't like them when they're totally produced and worked out and sort of mathematical. So somewhere in the middle is a sweet spot that you're striving for. Yeah, because your last record, your solo record, had that sort of ecstatic ramshackle beauty that seemed like it was just being pulled while you were listening to it out of the ether while it was entering your ears. It seemed very spontaneous to me, and I loved it. That Yes, um, that one did, and I was, um, I was really exulting in that feeling um, while I, when I made that record and when it came out and when I was thinking about it, I loved the fact I had that ramshackle, jammy feel. Um, the church is a few notches towards the centre from there, but still a lot more, a lot more jammy and ramshackle than it used to be in the eighties. Um, I guess you one is always searching for the sweet spot where you get the perfect combination of all those things together. When you guys were jamming and doing these hour-long jams, in your brain, were you sort of like, ooh, this part's really cool. I hope we can use this later. Or did you not even have your brain think like that? When we were jamming, no one was thinking very much. And when you've been jamming all day, you stop really thinking about what you've got. And you can feel like it's almost a bit of a waste of time. Like, here we go. And you can be just sitting there going, boom, 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 boom. And everybody's just playing along. When we recontextualized the jams, the guys in the band didn't even know where I had gotten these pieces of music from. They had they had sort of completely forgotten about large chunks of it that it, they'd ever played it at all. Um, so it's a funny thing. Um, you can sort of zone out and just jam, and then if somebody else can come in and put it all back together for you, you can get a really nice surprise. So your brain has to just sort of, you have to let it go. You have to just give in to the moment and not think about, don't micromanage your playing. Yes. Yes, you do. Um, I didn't think anything would ever come of those jams. And I was in the studio working on other things. And I said to the guy, let's get the jams out. And just trying to listen to an hour's hour long bit of music is a daunting thing. It's obviously it takes an hour to listen to it. And I, I actually got the engineer. I got him. I said, I want you to quickly go through this and throw together some bits that you like. And he did that. And I went outside and stood on the porch, smoked a joint. And I sort of like within half an hour, he chucked it back together again. And the other one, the other really long jam, I sort of listened to it with as much patience as I had and then quickly went, okay, I want this bit, and I want this bit, and I want this bit. Let's put them all together. Um, it's, I, I just don't have the concentration 
uh, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, I, I think it's good to do things quickly and impulsively, in, intuitively. Um, as I said, I probably said to you last time, I really had a gutful of that other business where, you know, a band learns nine songs and then plays them every day for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. As a bass player, especially, that's really soul-destroying, sitting there going boom, 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 for hours and hours and hours, searching for some perfection that you don't even really want. So, yeah, I it, this was a, a sort of a painless record to make. And um, it was good, although the circumstances were bad, it was good to go in the studio and revisit this stuff I'd sort of forgotten about. And I could, you know, be, having been removed from it, not listen to it for a long while, it was easier to assess what we actually had and to see that there was some good stuff in there. Oh, in what way were the circumstances not great? Well, the, there was bushfires. Um, when we when we were recording this album in Australia in 2019, there were terrible bushfires that were... I remember. Like, on, we were working in the studio and we'd come outside and the sky had gone dark grey and there was smell of smoke everywhere. And then there was COVID, so the band couldn't reassemble anywhere in at the one time. and it ended up people sort of doing stuff at home and sending it in by post. Um, so those circumstances weren't good. But I think, you know, it was, it, the, that was the bad side of it. The good side was normally you finish everything in one go. Like you start working, you keep working till it's finished. But having some big breaks was good from the point of view of getting a, a clear view of what you were doing, putting a bit of distance between you and the when you wrote it. Um, you can write a piece of music and if you don't have a break, you're never really clearly going to be able to assess it. But if you, if you write a piece of music and it gets put on a shelf for a year and a half, when you go back and hear it, you can get a much clearer view of what it actually is, I think. Did some of the bits pleasantly surprise you like were you did some stuff get unearthed and you went oh i actually forgotten about that and that's actually really cool yeah yeah it was like that it's like oh i didn't know we had that um definitely there was a lot of that it was a lot of surprise oh wow that was that was good nobody said anything on the day but now sitting here listening to it in in, in a cold light of another day it sounds pretty good and yeah and then you know the idea that that was just an improvised jam now we're gonna cut it into something that's a great thing to be able to do it's great that's that that technology has made that a lot easier than it might have been you know 50 years ago can you hear on in those songs can you hear the tension of COVID, the worry over the fires, do you, or is the music free of what was going on outside of the studio? That's a really good question. The music itself, not the words, the music itself, I think is free. I think the music, the music itself, this was the first time this band had played together. And this band, you know, there were two, two guys who hadn't, 
made a record with the church before Jeffrey Kane, the guy from Alabama from Remy Zero and the guitarist Ash Naylor from Melbourne. They hadn't made a record in the church before. And I think, um, I think when we closed the door and started playing the, the bushfires and the COVID and all the rest of it didn't make its way into the music. There were some times when I went out to Tim's place, Tim the drummer had a studio to do work on the record and we both felt like the weight of the fires and the weight of COVID was sort of crushing us and almost grinding us to a standstill. And there was all kinds of stuff where I wasn't even supposed to be there. You weren't, there was, you know, Australia was the most locked down place in the whole world. Um, and there were kind of all these rules and regulations. You weren't allowed to leave your sub suburb. Uh, you know, you weren't allowed to have a picnic. Uh, you weren't allowed to do this, you weren't allowed to do that. So just even going over there. And then there was all the paranoia about, you know, people were kind of, there was a sort of a siege mentality where people were like, I haven't got it. You know, don't come over here and bring it here. Or <laughs> I, I don't have it. I don't want to go over there and get it off you. Um, it was a really, it was a really bad time. You know, like wasn't, it wasn't the best, it wasn't the best way in the world to make an album. I, I really hope the next record can be the four of us go in the studio and we play and then we finish it and we all go home again. Um, I don't really want to ever do one like this again, but who knows what, who knows what the world and the weather and everything has up the sleeve for us now. Hey, they say, say the V. According to me, I'll know they go. How can this be? I won't fuck with that. So good luck with that.
Uh, it does say one thing, though, that it was the initial lineup of the band, and yet the jamming seemed like it was pretty effortless. Like the fact that you guys could sit down and do that for an hour or two does say something about this this lineup being pretty solid. Yeah, it's we're all like I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of all of that group. Um, I've been doing it a long time. Everybody in the band has been doing it a long time. I would imagine that with guys who have been playing rock and roll for a long time, you should be able to chuck them in a situation and say, all right, lads, let's jam in D and everyone should be able to do something. Um, yeah, that's fair. But having said that, we, we, did, have a, we did have a bit of a ge musical gestalt. We were, we were all able to sort of anticipate what was coming next from everybody. And it was, I thought it would work out well, and it did. I'm really, I'm, ple I'm pleased. It's a bit like, I guess, put you know, when the selectors have to put a baseball team together or something, they, they might not, all of the guys might not have played on the same team, um, but the selectors have to sort of go, well, I think this guy will work well with this guy and he'll work well with that guy. And I'm pleased to say my hunch has paid off. I, I thought Jeffrey Kane and Ashley Naylor would fit in really well, and they did. And they, they you know, picked up the mantle and went running with it. I was a huge, and still am, a huge Remy Zero fan. Were you a fan of that band? Because th those three albums they put out, I think, are pretty much perfect. I did like them. Um, I, certainly, I, certainly, I certainly did like them. Jeffrey Kane has a very distinctive thing that he does. He has a real, um, he does this, he does this like a, ah, oh, it's like lots, he does this thing where he has lots of little things all going at once, mm. like lots of little, lots of little overdubs, puts the capo all over the guitar and finds a little sort of like, and then when you overlay lots of those things together, you get this very wonderful kind of thing and he he did a bit of that on this record and i think it really um some of the songs really sound like stuff that jeffrey has written and i'm really glad glad to get that into our into our um repertoire you know a bit of that sort of thing uh, the drummer is an absolute monster he is he is a great drummer um mm -hmm. he he always plays well um Look, I, I th yeah, I think everybody, everybody, everybody brought their own thing to this, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of us, and I'm glad we managed at the end of it after so long. We managed to do it. I think that you and I are, see things very similar in the sense that I'm not that interested in the past anymore. As an older guy, I'm more interested in the future. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. just not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like I know that we were talking last time you had to go play that that nostalgia festival and you were not happy about it. Um, but I, I feel like you in some ways, like you're not permitted by some of the fans to be moving forward. They always want to fetishize what happened, you know, 30 right. years ago. So you I must be in two places. Out. Right. So you, you must be in two places at once all the time uh -huh. with the church. I you know, a guy in England did an interview with us and he said, um, how do the people in Australia see you guys these days? And I said, well, it's a bit of a dichotomy. There's like, there's people who know that we're tr 
trying to move ahead and we're making new music and we're you know we're trying to see what you can do with this this very ordinary standard combination of guitar bass and drums and we're trying to recombine them and do something new and then there's a bunch of people who want the old days and not only that but there's a bunch of fans who want the old guys it's not it's not even good enough for it to be the old days but they want the old guys and the old guys are gone and i i can't i can't provide the old guys even if i wanted to even if i wanted to they're not going to come back um so there are there are fans out there it's really funny um i saw a i saw an article someone wrote an article in america the most eagerly anticipated albums of 2023 and one of those most eagerly anticipated albums was the church and there was a little article you know along with all the other there was uh, and it went up on one of our fan facebook pages and i nobody commented no one was interested in that they're more that you know a hundred people will talk about someone goes look here's my ticket stub from 1986 that'll get hundreds of comments and reminiscences but someone saying some journalist in america saying this is the most and one of the most anticipated albums of 2023 and i felt like writing but not here on this side obviously um and the singles have sort of come and gone like um we you put up the you put up the the video or the the song and it's uh, they're not interested they're sort of it's it's weird they they feel they feel they they can't like it now it's those other players aren't involved anymore and there there are people who are who are never going to give this record a chance because you know such and such or so and so isn't on the record anymore um so that is a weird and a, a thing a sad a thing i can't i don't know how to get over i've sometimes i've gone overboard and said things like it's my fucking band and i'll have who i fucking like in it and that doesn't go down well either um and they they don't want to hear me diss those old guys and i nor should i and i don't i wouldn't want to read that either um someone dissing the guys who used to be in the band and that that's not a good approach either um it's just something you're up against i i think but i tell you one thing we couldn't have made this record with the old guys they wouldn't have gone the distance they weren't interested they didn't want to take direction they didn't want to be team players you know they wanted to and good luck to them you know they wanted to sort of do their own thing and now they've gone off and they're doing their own thing and um one guy's touring around with his wife playing violin doing solo shows another guy's written a book on on music theory he's sort of discovered a new um he's discovered a new element of music theory that's so esoteric i can't quite understand what what it is um because i'm my knowledge of music isn't doesn't isn't like that you know um and they're doing what they want to do and they don't want to be in a room with steve kilby saying can you do this and you can do that can you do that they, they've lost interest in that and i kind of 
I kind of wish them luck and that they were great players and we did some great things together. And just in these last few years of my career and my life and everything I'm doing, I'm sort of, I'm glad I'm, I'm now playing with players who want to do this. I think that's the most important thing is to have people who want to do what they, we're all striving together to do this. And those guys definitely had, had, were no longer interested in striving together to create something. They were, you know, they wanted to break free. Yeah, and it's very strange because I do find that the stuff that the life was sucked out of, people want to hear that stuff over and over and over again, which is so weird because I think what you want from your artists is brave new directions where you're adding new exciting chapters to uh, to the oeuvre, to the to the book that's being that's being written. I think rock and roll defies that idea. Um, I think, for example, um, if if you went to see the Eagles, right? I don't think you want the Eagles to come on and say, "We are going bold new places, trying bold new things," and here's what we're doing. I think. People want to hear Hotel California and take it easy. Um, and then there are other rock acts where maybe you do want that. Um, you do want them to go bold new places and do bold new things. And it's sort of understood that that's what will happen. And for example, Radiohead is, is springing to mind. If you go and see Radiohead and they walk out and they go, we're not doing one fucking old song. We're just going to do two hours of this brand new thing we've dreamed up. The audience would kind of go, okay, we're, we're ready for that. I think the church is somewhere strangely in the middle of all of that, where some people are like, come on, you've got to do the old stuff. And then there's some people probably don't want to hear the old stuff. I know sometimes when we do Under the Milky Way, we get a dualistic response from the audience where some of them go, hurrah, at last they're playing under the Milky Way. And other, lot, other members of the audience are like, oh, no, come on. So it's hard to make them all happy all the time. Um, I, 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 you know, what can you do? And, and uh, what... What are, what are your obligations? I, I, I think my obligation is this with the church is to keep on using the elements that people liked about us right back to our first album. Like what are the things that they like about the church and then have those elements still and yet bring in new things as much as you can. So staying, staying true to your past while being mildly adventurous within that sort of format. I think that's what is the church's mission statement is to do that, not to have, not to radically digress. Um, I, although, you know, I love David Bowie and I loved it when he radically digressed um, for a while. Anyway, when Lowe came out, um, it was a radical digression. But I was, I liked it. I embraced it. I, I embraced it with, with two arms. And, and okay, you know, um, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm not sure with the church. I don't think we can do something that radical. If we made a synth album or an electro dance record, I don't think people want us to do that. I think they want us to go on being the church and developing it like logically from one thing to the next. I think Crowded House have kind of done it. That Crowded House are are making really interesting, weird records that have very little to do with their first couple, right? They are, yeah, they are. Um, but I think in I think live, interesting you should say that because they did a cover of Under the Milky Way just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think live though they're giving them a big a big dose of the hits, or they've got a lot of hits and they. I think they give them to the audience. I don't. I don't think they're just. Um, I don't think they're just doing their new things. But yes, they are. You know that they they are. They're pushing the envelope all the time. I believe. It's a longer list of bands that are not pushing the envelope and relying on past laurels than than the opposite. Absolutely, um, and some of them. I would imagine as a fan, not as a musician, as a fan, I would be glad for that. If I saw them, I would go, oh, no, don't push the envelope. (laughs) And then other ones, I would go, oh, come on, boys, don't fucking play that one again. You know, push the envelope a little. Uh, I think it's it's a tricky thing to get that right. How are you in other aspects of your life with nostalgia? Are you the same like across the board that you sort of, because that's where I'm at now. I'm no. sort of like to burn the past. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm one of the most nostalgic people you can meet. I'm really? not, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not bravely moving forward. Um, I, I, I love all the things from my youth. I like the, um, I don't know. Being old kind of sucks, I think. Um, and I, I feel I feel increasingly distanced and cut off from where society's going in, in so many ways, in, in an aesthetic sense. Um, when, when I see what when I see what some women are doing to themselves with um, sort of lip am, Im, implants and breast implants and you know, having eye brushes that, sorry, eyebrows that look like paintbrushes and um, the sort of the fashion, a lot of people and there's just the general, the posing and the reality TV shows and guys walking along without socks on, you know, stuff like that. It really gets to me. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, no, it's it, it's hard it's hard for me to move forward, um, and I'm I am a bit of a curmudgeonly old geezer, I guess, in some ways. And I realise, you know, it's time. It just keeps hurtling by, and it it leaves me. It's left me, and it will leave everybody else behind. Um, nobody can really nobody can really ride this zeitgeist anymore. Do you know it in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, things, nothing changed for about three or 4,000 years of their civilization, virtually nothing changed. So someone born 2,000 years before or 2,000 years after any given point in time would find very little change. 
you know, the technology didn't change, the mores hadn't changed, the language didn't change. People were living the same life, like they were they were doing exactly the same things as their grandparents and their great grandparents, and they knew that their great 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 grandchildren would probably be doing the same things the same way. And then you look at now, and you look at the incredible rush of innovation and the way things have changed so rapidly across every sphere, whether you want it or not, you know, you might, you might buy a version of some software and within a year that version will be outdated and there'll be a new one which replaces it, whether you want that or not. Um, I found that with music software. I, I had Logic and I learned to use Logic and I knew my way around logic and I, I taught myself. And then one day it updated and it kind of forced me to update. And when I updated, everything was topsy-turvy. I didn't know where anything was. I didn't understand it anymore. And suddenly all of my plugins were didn't work with it. And I just thought that's a real sign of the times. Like I like, I don't want everything to change so rapidly. If I learn how to do something, I don't want a new way of doing it coming along a year later. That means I have to relearn how it all goes together again. Um, you know, it's what do you think of AI art? What, what do you think of it? You know, some of the stuff that's knocking out. Do you like it? I don't think it has much of a soul to me. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah. it doesn't. It literally right. doesn't have a soul. Right. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I I guess I I grew up I grew up in a really good time. There were there was I well there was a war on. There was the Vietnam War was definitely on, and I was lucky enough to avoid that. I can't say I grew up in a time of peace. That would be a joke. But um, it seemed like in the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, it seemed like for a while it seemed like pop music was producing high art you know when you look at sergeant peppers and stuff it was it was really clever and brilliant music um and the films they were making and the things we were, we were the sort of where it seemed like it all might go seemed really tantalizingly brilliant um so i i do i do long back to that a bit and i'm a bit disappointed with some of the musical stars of today, they seem fucking awful, like hopeless people who can't string a decent lyric together and the music has no, I sound like my old Auntie Lou now, you know, <laughs> can't understand it. It doesn't have a tune, doesn't have a beat. Um, I know it's hard, it's hard to know if, if you're just old and reactionary or if you are actually right. Um, I don't fucking know. Who cares? What does it matter what I think anyway? I mean, just like a old man shouting at a cloud, isn't it? As they said on The Simpsons. <laughs> well, I for me, I think that what scares me is that you don't have to work anymore to get art. Like in the old days, you had to save up money, go to the record store, come home, have a thing to play it on. You know, the the way art is being absorbed now is very sort of blasé, like, I don't like that, yeah. I'll take that, I'll download that. And I think that's actually, you know, when, when you're sort of 
pressing a button and absorbing someone's song that they took years to make. Um, I think the value of art is being overlooked by the by by the youth culture. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think music has music has certainly been devalued. It doesn't seem to me that music takes the same place in people's life. Like, I'm I'm just talking about pop music, modern music. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like it has the same place in people's life. It's so important. It seems like it's just another option on a load of entertainment choices that you have. Um, there definitely was something to be said for, you know, there was, there was something to be said for, I, I was talking, doing an interview before I had to nag my dad every time I wanted a new record and maybe every two or three weeks, he'd give me enough record, enough money to buy one new record. I had to go to the record shop. I had to be very careful what I would buy. And then when I got at home, I had to listen to it a lot. You know, it's like I had to, that was it. That's all I had, that and all, whatever old records I had before that. But I had to get to know it. I had to listen to it. These days you can, yeah, as you say, you can listen to a thousand songs and you can listen to 10 seconds of a song and 10 seconds of another song and you can sample everything and not take anything in. You can just take one song off a record and listen to that or whatever. I guess the old days ain't coming back anytime soon, are they? No. Look, when I was in 1983 or whatever, I saved up enough money for synchronicity. And then my mom drove me down to the record store. We drove back. I put it on. And I've been mad at the police ever since because I hated that record. And there really okay. felt like there was so much at stake. And I felt so disappointed by that whole process. And I didn't like the album. So, but... That was, there was, in, that was in nine that was in nineteen eighty three. Right. How was it how was it in eighteen eighty three for someone who wanted music? <laughs> how did they do it? <laughs> Differently. Yeah. Um it it look it seemed it seemed like a really good thing the way we had it. And any guy of your age or my age, we all agree on that. Um, but I, I think to, to the young'uns, they see it as extremely inconvenient that what you had, you know, you could only choose one thing and you didn't even really know what it was and you couldn't Google it and listen to a sample and all that. Um, you know, some rec, some record shops had this great thing, the listening booth where you could, you could go up to the counter and if the guy liked you and you didn't wear out your welcome by doing it too much, and you, he knew you were going to buy something at the end of the day, you could say, can I hear a bit of this? And then you could stand in there in the listening booth, and they you'd put on a pair of headphones and stand there, and they'd put it on, you could listen to it. That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those days have gone for, forever. We should just let them go. we got to let them go. There has to be something good about getting older, though, Steve. There has to be something positive. Well, um, I'm not sure what it is. I haven't really, I, no, I haven't really found it yet. Um, really? It's, uh, and it's getting harder and harder all the time. I had, I breezed through my fifties, um, 
my fifties were good to me. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't seem to get any older, noticeably older. Um, and I worked, I worked really hard by doing a lot of exercise and doing yoga and, um, but my sixties are really kicking my ass. I can only imagine the seventies are a shocker. Um, and that is if I get to my seventies and work my way through it, it's like, there's no guarantee on that. Um, and like mortality is looming and, you know, it isn't, it isn't sort of off in the distance anymore. Like often, Oh, one day I'm going to get old and die. It's like, I am, I am now old. You know, we, we used to say three score and 10. Did they say that in America? Three score no. and 10. That was your, that was your lifespan. 70 years old. So I'm, I'm, I'm two years off that now. I'm two years off what would be considered a reasonably good life. And I'm as confused as I ever was. And uh, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I haven't really discovered the benefits of aging at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little bit better at music than I was when I started, you know, but you would hope that after all those years, I, I definitely have a bit of experience, but I've lost all that incredible youthful zest that I had. Everything's a compromise. You, you get experience and you lose your zest. Are you still exercising pretty regularly? No, I'm, I'm in a vicious circle now where I don't exercise as much as I did. And then I feel worse. And then I don't exercise as much as I did. And I feel worse. Um, it's really hard once you fall off the wagon a bit with all of that stuff to get back in the ring. Mm. So, um, no, I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. It doesn't. It's not as easy. Uh, like I want to go for a walk, but my feet hurt. <laughs> you know, I never saw that coming. When of all the things I thought might happen, I didn't realize when you get old, you might want to go for a walk, but your feet would hurt when you walk. So I'm. Um, that's just one, for example. And then, of course, COVID came along, and I've had COVID twice, and I've had mm -hmm. um, I had all the vaccinations, and somewhere between the disease and the vaccinations really fucked me up really aged me overnight like really whatever the fuck is in those vaccinations um really has made me feel sick so i feel some days i wake up and i feel like i've been chewing aluminium foil all night metallic metallic is the word i keep reaching for i feel like a metallic a metallic feeling, a metallic taste. Um, I don't know. And then, and then the the COVID itself was a shocker. And may, now I feel so breathless and stuff. So yeah, good. Bring God. on my next incarnation. <laughs> yeah, man. For it. Well, look, I'll tell you my observation. The best thing about getting older. I mean, to me, you're one of the few guys that you just keep getting better. Like I look, there's no decline in your work. And I, and that's why I love what you do, whether it's the solo stuff or the church stuff, it just keeps getting better. And um, so to me, that's a, that's a positive, positive thing. I'm glad you think so. Um, I really am. And that's, 
that's the best anyone could hope for that you could keep you should and it should be that way if you're still in the game and you're going to put out a record you would hope it would be better than than the last one otherwise why are you doing it right otherwise what's the point so they yeah. always say that for in the arc of a career it's like you're an apprentice and then you 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 then you start to ascend then it's self-parody and then it's decline and that's never happened with you um ever not even close I'm, and so but I'm you're it's a short list there, there's not many people i can i can say are like you i'm relieved to hear that you think so that that's certainly something that makes me happy all right man well hey i'm glad to talk to you oh, again buddy okay all right nice to talk to you dude we'll do it again okay we will bye Irascible, but lovable. Steve Kilby. That was so much fun. We'll bring him back. Steve is a blast to talk to. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. You're going to enjoy the new church album, The Hypnagogue. Buy it. Thechurchband.net is where you need to go to find out what's happening with the church, pick up some music, buy some merchandise, see where they're playing. A lot of church information to be found. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. Also, check out EmbersArts.com. Both of those sites have information on my new book, which will be out May 1st. The Adventure Teen All-Stars is the name of the book. BombshellRadio.com is the place to visit to find out what makes our radio station tick. You can find me on Twitter at EmbersEditor or on Instagram at EmbersPodcast or just email me, Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Com. Don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. Tell some strangers, too. See how that goes. Let's close the show with a longer listen to the title track from the new Church album. This is The Hypnagogue. Enjoy it, and thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio. When you wanted it, I was there When you first went in, no one twisted your arm When you tasted it like you've been tasting it your whole life As you went under, into unknown Remember the music pulled out of your head Trickling into the cans, insulating guitars, reptilian bass, kicking your face, the snare in your heart.
your accounts Suddenly we had too much The organs were swelling The moonbeams were burning The arrows to fall Then London tide went out The ensemble were dying A quickening flourish But that's another story Well I got a jet Threshold of silence, the end of performance, the end of. 